Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I want to remind you, tonight is our annual business, uh, church business meeting. Uh, two, two things that we take care of in our annual business meeting. One is uh, we vote on our budget for this upcoming year. Uh, and then we secondly vote on our deacons and uh, advisory board members. And so I want to encourage you to be here tonight. It's not a long meeting. Those are the only two uh, things that we'll take care of tonight in our business meeting. Uh, so I want to invite you to please be here. If you're a member of our church, we want you to be here so that you know uh, what uh, just what it uh, takes for our church to operate uh, each year. And then we want you to know who our deacons and our advisory board members are as well. So uh, we want your input on that. And so we'll vote on that this evening, five o'clock. And that takes place in the chapel over in Building B. Again, it won't be a long meeting, so we hope that you'll be here, and uh, we uh, look forward to seeing you then. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to continue in a, uh, our study in the book of First Thessalonians and on the topic of the rapture of the church. Uh, thank you for praying this last week. I was in Dallas, and we got ice uh, the entire time we were there. I was thanking the Lord for Slim, because where I was at, the parking lot for two and a half days was full of ice, and uh, it was a mess. And I thought, boy, it same weather as we get in Ohio, except we know how to drive and uh, we know how to plow our roads and we know how to use salt and snow shovels. They don't know how to use any of that down there. Uh, then I heard on the radio uh, in Dallas, the, the mayor said, we have both of our plow trucks out um, <laughs> working 24 hours a day. And so uh, all two of them were out working. So, uh, but I had to, I had the opportunity I gave, um, I, um, I uh, brought down two things. I was with Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans this past week, and I brought two things to him. One is I brought Bob Tassel's brownies. If you've never had Bob Tassel's brownies, I feel bad for you. Um, and then secondly, I introduced him to Marsha's Buckeyes. He's never had a Buckeye. I said, you ever have a Buckeye? He said, I don't even know what a Buckeye is. And uh, I said, well, it sounds like you're a Michigan fan, but um uh, but I gave him, I gave him Marsha's Buckeyes and he ate one before he preached. He ate two after he preached and he ate the rest of them on the ride home. Uh, the driver told me, so he, uh, he enjoyed those. So I, am um, I'm famous now. I introduced Tony Evans to Buckeyes, uh, Marsha's Buckeyes. So, uh, but thank you for praying. And uh, we, uh, we enjoyed our trip. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And uh, let's begin reading in verse number 13. Again, we are in this chapter, 1 Thessalonians, a church that uh, is awaiting the return of Christ. They are anticipating Christ's return. Everything, when Paul came to this church, Paul preached, and this church received the word of the Lord. This church was eager to hear what Paul had to say. And as Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, the church at Thessalonica, these uh, became believers. They put their faith in what Paul was preaching. They earnestly believed and their lives were changed. 
This is a church that served the Lord. This is a church that, that was, was uh, uh, eagerly awaiting the return of Christ. But there was a problem. Christ did not return immediately, and they became fearful. They became unsure. There were some that began to die, and they were unsure. So what happens to someone if we're not here when Christ returns? Then what happens? What happens to those that have gone before us? And so Paul is going to address this. He's going to address their conduct. He's going to address um, this doctrine of the rapture of the church. He's going to address the fears that they have. You know, it's interesting. Anytime there's fear, anytime there's uh, worry, anytime there's uh, our feelings, um, uh, we put our faith in our feelings, our trust in feelings. It's God's word and the doctrine of God's word that brings peace and comfort in our lives. And it's important for us to understand the word of God. Do you hear that, Christian? It's important for us. We, we don't come every week just to hear a pep talk or, or an a, a inspirational type message. We need the meat of the word. We need to understand. And that's what's happening here at this church in Thessalonica. Paul is going to address some things, um, some doctrinal things with them so that they could take these things and it would change their behavior. It would change their outlook. It would bring peace. It would bring comfort. It would change their conduct with each other. All of their lives would be changed because they would be steadfast upon the word of God. And once a person gets saved, it's important then once that person becomes a believer in Christ, that's not all there is for the believer to learn. The gospel is obviously the most important thing. It's, it's our introduction into uh, uh, the word of God. It's, it's uh, um, how we're born again. But once we're saved, we ought to be disciples of Christ. We ought to be learning deeper and deeper what the word of God says. And that's what Paul is addressing here uh, in this book of 1 Thessalonians. In chapter number four, let's pick up reading in verse number 13. But I would, have, uh, would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those that are dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Paul is specifically addressing those who, are, who have died. He's specifically addressing, though, not just anyone that has died. He's addressing those that are believers in Christ that have died, that have passed on. All of us in this room, many of us, if not all of us in this room, have had some loved one that we know uh, pass on that has, we've stood at their funeral and we know that they are believers. We know they've trusted Christ as their savior. So Paul is going to address. So what is going to happen to these that have gone on? And so those here in this room today, that you have a loved one that knew Jesus Christ as their savior that has gone on to glory. I want you to see, this is what Paul is saying about your loved one, about those that have passed on. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those that are dead or those that are asleep. I don't want you to sorrow as those that sorrow that have no hope. You've ever been to a funeral where someone passes away and they don't know the Lord as their savior? That, that, uh, that hopelessness? I tell you, one of the most difficult things is to be asked to do a funeral. And when you say to the family that asks you, did they know Jesus Christ as their savior? And when they say, no, I don't believe they did. Or some just say flat out, no, they were not a believer in Jesus Christ. Those are the most difficult funerals to give. Yes, we can give the gospel. But as I'm giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying? This person was not a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's no hope. 
There's sadness, there's remorse, there's, there's, there's uh, 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 no hope. But, but Paul says, those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior, yes, it's a difficult thing. I remember the, the day that we buried my father. I remember the day that we buried my brother-in-law. Tears were shed and, 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 and uh, uh, great emotion was shown. But one thing that was not at either of those funerals, and that is this, hopelessness. We shed tears, but we had hope. We miss those that have gone on before us, but we could confidently stand as I stood there and preached a message at my, my father's funeral. I stood with tears in my eyes, but with confidence in saying this, he is in heaven and he is going to rise again at the, uh, the, the rapture of the church when Jesus Christ comes. I have hope because he knew Jesus Christ as a savior. And that gives us hope. He says this in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many of you believe that today? Say amen. amen. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He's just reassuring this again. He says, if you believe it and they believe it, they're going to come and they're going to see Jesus Christ. Those of you that have had a loved one go on before you, there is going to be a reunion in the air. You will see them again one day. There is a great reunion that's going to take place. It is called the rapture of the church. It's when Jesus Christ will come. The, the trump of God is going to sound. There's going to be a shout that's going to take place in heaven. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the clouds with them. In the most wonderful part of that, the Bible says this in verse number 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet who? The Lord in the air. You know, the rapture of the church is going to be a wonderful thing. It's going to be a wonderful thing because we're going to see those that we love. What a wonderful reunion that's going to be. But it's even going to be more wonderful because we're going to see our Savior face to face. We are going to see our Lord, Jesus Christ. And then it even gets better than that. The Bible says this, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. How many of you have been to a family reunion? How many of you enjoy going to the family reunion? But family reunions are also hard. You know why? Because you have to say goodbye. I've told you this many times. I don't like to say goodbye. I grew up and we moved a lot and I got used to just, you just don't want to say goodbye. It was too emotional. So you just, you just don't like to say goodbye. I enjoy when my in-laws come to visit. My mom was with, uh, I was going to say my mom came to watch Kaylee, but she's old enough to watch herself. But she, um, she was with Kaylee while we were gone this past week. And, and uh, she'll leave today or tomorrow to go home. And, uh, and I don't want to have to say goodbye. I don't like to say goodbye. Reunions are wonderful things, but reunions can also be a sad thing at the end because you've got to say goodbye to the people you love. But in this time, this reunion, there are no more goodbyes. 
When we see our loved one again, you are going to spend all of eternity with them, with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no more goodbyes. One of the wonderful things about the rapture of the church is we will never have that feeling of of, uh, missing someone again. We'll never have that feeling of having to say goodbye. One of the most comforting things of the rapture of the church, we are going to see those that have gone on before us. We are going to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are never going to say goodbye. What a wonderful thing that's going to be. And because of that, in verse number 18, Paul says this, comfort one another with these words. This ought to bring comfort to us. He says, this truth I'm giving you ought to bring comfort to the brokenhearted. You don't have hopelessness. You have hope. And because of that, we ought to find comfort and we ought to find rest and peace. And so I want to pick up, we were here two weeks ago, so I want to pick up here in this, uh, uh, this message, part two of this rapture of the church. And I want to finish the message and then continue with this, uh, this message on the rapture of the church. And I want us to look at uh, today the reason for the rapture. Why is it going to take place? And I want us to look in Revelation chapter number four. Revelation chapter four. We'll be back and forth in Revelation and also in, in 1 Thessalonians Revelation chapter four, Revelation, if you, if, as you're reading Revelation, which is a very difficult book, sometimes to understand, uh, there are things that we might see, same things that we read, uh, that we might not be able to all the time wrap our heads around or our mind around. And, and, um, we find here in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, John, as he's looking out into the future, as he's penning down uh, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he is the first three chapters speaking of the church age. He's speaking of the church, which is the age that we're in now, the age of the church. He's writing about the church. He's writing about this age after the, uh, uh, before the tribulation. Chapter number four, as he's penning down Revelation chapter four, he is going to pen down now what is going to take place, the rapture of the church. And then once we get into heaven, the events that are going to take place from the rapture of the church, and then the things that begin to unfold from this point forward in the book of Revelation, we're going to find where, where uh, uh, not only the rapture of the church, but we'll find the great tribulation that takes place. We're going to find the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, and we'll refine uh, where Jesus Christ comes again, uh, sets up his throne here upon earth, and we'll find where the, uh, the, uh, this earth is going to go away. This earth is going to uh, be new, and there's going to be a new earth, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem is going to come down, the Bible tells us, ascending out of heaven, and it's in that place we will forever be with Jesus Christ in, in for all of eternity. And so the book of Revelation beginning in verse number four, it gets for us an understanding of the rapture of the church. In verse number two of chapter number four, and immediately I was in the spirit. This is after he has been brought up. He hears a trumpet sound. He is brought up uh, in, in verse number one, uh, come up hither and I'll show thee things must, which must be hereafter. Hereafter, meaning hereafter, after the church age is, is finished, that trump is going to sound. He's going to be brought up to heaven, just like the rapture of the church that will take place. And he that sat uh, was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a, a rainbow round about the throne and sight like unto an emerald. 
And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And so as we look today, the reason for the, of the rapture of the church, I want us to understand, first of all, would you write this down someplace in your notes today? The, ra- the, the reason of the rapture of the church is going to be, first of all, to receive the bride of Jesus Christ, to receive his bride. In John 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus promised. Remember, Jesus said this, um, that he's going to his father's house. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus promised when he was here the first time he came to be our savior. He came to die on the cross. The Jews thought Jesus is going to come and he's going to, he's going to free us from Rome. He's going to free us from, from, from uh, uh, this, this Roman occupation. And Jesus, the Messiah, they thought the Messiah was going to set up his throne there on, there on the earth. They did not understand. And even as he spoke to his disciples that he is going to, the temple is going to be cast down. And, and in three days, it's going to, uh, he's going to uh, uh, build it back up. It's, and he was speaking of himself being crucified and in place in the grave. And three days later, rising again from the grave, they thought the Messiah, Messiah was supposed to free them of occupation and set up his kingdom. But the Messiah came the first time to go to the cross to pay the sin debt that you and I owe. Now that Jesus Christ now is, is, uh, is in, in John chapter 14, he's speaking. He is speaking to his disciples and those that believe in Jesus Christ. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's a wonderful thing. That means this, that there is a place for you and for me. Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is going to prepare a place. But it doesn't end there. He says this, and I will come again. For what purpose? To receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus in John chapter 14 was establishing the reality that he is going to prepare a place for you. He's establishing that there's a place for you in heaven, but he's also prophesying. He's also foretelling that there's a time that is going to come where he is going to come back for you. That is the rapture of the church. He's going to come and receive you. The apostle Paul in first Thessalonians chapter four, what is he speaking of? He is speaking of the time where Jesus Christ is going to come and receive all of those that have put their faith and trust in him. That where I am there, ye may be also. You see what Jesus said in John chapter 14 is what Paul said in first Thessalonians chapter four. Paul said this, that Trump's going to sound. We're going to, the dead in, in Christ are going to rise. And the, we that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds to be with Jesus Christ forever. So number one, the reason of the rapture is this, to receive his bride. Those that know Jesus Christ as their savior. He says this, look with me in verse number three of this of uh, cha- uh, chapter four of book Revelation. And he that sat on uh, was to look upon like a jasper in a sardine stone. 
This is, this is who? Jesus Christ sitting upon the throne. And as we look at these two, as John is writing, as he looks upon these, he sees this jasper, which is this, it's pure. The one that's sitting on this throne is pure. The one that is sitting on the stone is a, a pure as jasper. It's a pure stone. It is as you could see through this stone, it's purity. It represents the purity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not just a man. He was not just a prophet. He was not just a good person that did right most of the time. Jesus Christ was God. He lived a sinless life. He lived a pure life. He lived a holy life. He lived a sinless life. And because Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, when he went to the cross, his blood that was shed was sinless blood. There was not an ounce of sin in him. And so when that blood was applied to the mercy seat, that blood was sufficient sacrifice for our sin debt. And when God looks upon that sacrifice, our sin debt is paid for because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we read or sang today about the blood of Jesus Christ, I pray, church, we never get over the blood of Jesus Christ. There are some that will say the blood had no significance in our salvation. The blood is what paid our sin debt. You and I, the Bible says, are dead and trespasses in sin. And Jesus Christ shed his blood. And that blood was a sacrifice that you and I, we could not have given. Why? Because we're not pure. Because we are sinners. And because we're sinners, you can't save yourself. And I can't save myself. And you can't save me. And I can't save you. But there was one that came. God himself left heaven's home, became a man, and lived here upon this earth a sinless life. Oh, listen to me, those that say that Jesus uh, was, a, was a man and, and he, he uh, uh, lived on this life and he was tempted and, and he, he had uh, Mary Magdalene was someone that he uh, 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 was with. And those, those are, that is a heretic, that is, is blaspheme, that is wrong. Jesus Christ lived in he never sinned. And because of that, he's pure. As John sees Jesus sitting on the throne, he sees one that is pure. He sees one that is righteous. He sees one that is just. And then this, this, this stone that he sees, this sardine stone, that is a stone. That is a blood red stone. And so as John is seeing the one that is sitting on the throne, he's seeing the one that is pure, and he's seeing the one that represents this red stone, this blood red stone. And again, what does that blood red stone represent? It represents the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when we, when the Father sees Jesus Christ, his blood is applied to our life, and he no longer sees you and I as sinners. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away our sins. When we are saved, we are saved and we are now found in Christ. That word in is such an important word to those of us that are believers. I'm saved, and the moment that I am saved, I am now found in Christ. I am never going to be judged now for the sin. I'm never going to be uh, uh, sent to hell because of the, my sin debt. I am now found in Christ. And when God sees me, he doesn't see me, he sees Christ. And as John is looking on this throne, 
He is seeing Jesus. He is seeing Jesus sitting upon his throne. He's seeing that all the promises that were made about the Messiah are true. He sees now that those that are there upon the, the gathered around the throne, he sees each represented there upon the throne. As I preached uh, two weeks ago and go back and listen to that message. If you did not receive that or weren't here to hear that message, but the reason of the rapture is to receive his bride so that we can be with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. The second thing is this, the reason of the rapture is not only to receive his bride, but it's to rescue us. It's to rescue us. I want you to see in chapter number four, verse number four, around about the throne were four and 20 seats. I preached about that two weeks ago, who those were. And he said this, I saw these 24 and 20 elders sitting clothed in white remnant, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which were of the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne round about the throne, there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. I want you to see... There was also in verse number three, there was uh, he that sat upon the throne. We, we saw the stones and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight, like unto the emerald. Here, here we find this rainbow. If you remember in the Old Testament, when God destroyed the world, he made a covenant afterwards. What did God place in the sky to prove and to show and remind us that he will never destroy the earth by flood again? I don't even remember what that was. A rainbow. Now, when we get to heaven, when we are raptured out of this world, when we then stand before our Savior, Jesus Christ, when we are there in his throne room and we are gathered upon, around his throne, we are going to see this rainbow. And this rainbow is a covenant with God's people. Now, there's something that's interesting about this rainbow is a rainbow that we see. We see this rainbow and most, most of the time as we look in the sky, we see the beginning of it and we see the end of it over here. We only can say, if you will, half of the rainbow. But we find here in heaven, there's a rainbow that is round about. And what, as in heaven, we are looking and we're seeing this rainbow as we're looking down upon this rainbow. This rainbow is uh, circular. This rainbow has no beginning. This rainbow has no end. This rainbow is now representing eternity. We are now on this side of eternity. And this rainbow is a covenant that God has made that we are not going to endure the wrath of God but the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon the earth. I want you to see there in that throne room, what we'll find underneath that's happening underneath that rainbow. We're going to find this in verse five in of, out of that throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings while we are in that throne room with our savior. 
as we are represented there around that throne, worshiping our Savior, as we see that jasper and that sardine stone representing Jesus Christ, his purity and his blood that saves us from the destruction that's going to come, there is something else that's happening there. That throne room, the Bible says, there's thunderings, there's lightnings, there's judgment that's coming. But I want you to see this. We are raptured. We are taken away. We are not a part of the wrath of God as the wrath of God is being poured out out. We are saved from that. We are looking into the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are seeing this, this sphere of a rainbow that reminds us that our faith and trust in Jesus Christ has saved us from the judgment that's coming. The judgment that's taking place there in Revelation chapter 4 that we are not a part of, but it's taking place through the thunderings and through the lightnings. That is this, the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation that's taking place here upon this earth. And so Christ is going to come. He's going to rapture his church. He's going to take his church. He's going to receive his bride unto himself. And he is going to rescue us from the wrath of God that's going to be given and poured out here upon this earth. Lightning and thundering is going to be sounded. I want you to see with me, if you would, in 1 Thessalonians, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Look with me in verse number nine. Paul is writing to the church. He's going to write of this wrath to come. He says in verse number one, or chapter number one, verse number nine, for they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That is the moment they got saved, that they, they were serving idols, they were worshiping idols. But when they were faced with this question, what will you do with Jesus Christ? They put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They did away with their idols. They, they began to serve Christ and, and God alone. And he says this in verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. What is he speaking of? Wait for his son from heaven. He's waiting, Jesus Christ. When do we wait? Chapter number four tells us we're waiting for that day that the trump is going to sound, that the dead in Christ are going to rise, that those who are alive and remain are going to be caught up. He says, for those that now have put their faith in Jesus Christ and are waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. He delivers us. From God pouring out his wrath. Listen to me, Christian. When God pours his wrath out upon the unjust, when God pours his wrath out in that seven-year tribulation, we who are saved, we who are his children, we who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ will not experience the wrath that God is going to pour out upon this earth because we are going to be raptured or taken up out of this earth before God pours out his wrath. And so the reason of the rapture, number one, is to receive his bride. The reason, number two, is to rescue us from God's wrath to come. I mentioned this already, but I'll say it again, this great reunion that's going to take place in the air. 
1 Thessalonians 4.17, and all of us will be with the Lord. I won't say much more about that because I spent some time already this morning on that, but what a wonderful reunion that is going to be. Those of you today that have lost a loved one and you know in your heart and mind that they made a profession of faith, that they live a life pleasing the Lord because they believed in the gospel, they believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, comfort yourself today knowing this, you will see your loved one again. Comfort yourself with this, knowing this is true. And so as we look at this, these reasons for the rapture, we need to learn of his coming so that we could live for his coming. We need to learn of his coming so that we could live for his coming, so that we could look. And this is what Paul is reminding the church to do. I want to teach you that he's coming again so that you will live like he's coming again, so that you will look and watch for him coming again, and then you will long for Jesus Christ to come again. How many of you are longing for Jesus Christ to come? Would you say amen? amen. I'm longing for him to come. But there's a job for us to do. So what does the knowledge of the rapture do for the believer? What do we do with this information? What do we do with this, this information of the rapture? Why does Paul give us this? It's not just there so that we do nothing with it. It's there. I want you to see in verse number, uh, chapter four of first Thessalonians chapter four, verse number 18. It's there. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. It's there. Number one, would you write this down someplace to cause you to bring comfort with truth? You see, acting upon our feelings can bring fear. Acting upon our feelings can bring worry and can bring shame. And the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica so that they understand what truth is, so they can comfort themselves based upon truth, not comfort themselves based upon feelings. I say this so often, my, say it so much that my wife will say it often back to me in conversation and she'll remind me, she'll say, you say all the time that we are not to act upon feelings, but we're to act upon truth. Then why in the world do we continue to act upon feelings? Paul is giving us the truth of God's word. He's giving us this truth to give us hope. He's giving us this truth to wipe away fear. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Our feelings can bring fear. Our feelings can bring worry. Our feelings can bring shame. But Paul says, I want those things to be removed from your life so that you are ready to meet your Savior. So when that trumpet sounds, when that voice from heaven is declared and we are caught up to see Jesus, that we are ready for this time. Prepared. Now they know those that have died are not going to miss the rapture. So what happens? Now they know something. Now they know for sure. Jesus, you didn't come. Paul, you told us that Jesus was coming and we've been waiting for him to come and we believe that he was coming for us. But what happened to those that have died? And Paul is going to reinforce with what? With truth. Those that have died, their body is not going to stay in the ground that they are going to receive a new body, a, 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 a new body just like you and I are going to receive, a glorified body. 
Listen to me, those that have died are not going to miss heaven. Those that have died are not going to miss a thing. As a matter of fact, Paul said this, absent from the body is present with the Lord. We know this as truth, that we will see Jesus again. And those that have gone on before us will also be with us forever with Jesus Christ. And this brings comfort to them. It takes away the worry. It takes away the fear. It takes away the unknown. God's word ought to always bring comfort and peace into your life. This world brings fear. This world brings worry, but God's word always brings comfort. Those that died are going to be resurrected. Look with me in verse number 10 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. The Bible says this, who died for us, that we, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Paul is giving a fact there. Paul is giving a truth if you wake or you're asleep, or if, you, if you're alive when he comes again, or you've been placed in a grave when you come again, the fact of the matter is this, we will live together with Jesus Christ. Oh, that ought to comfort you. I can't wait to see my Jesus. But I also can't wait to see my father. And I don't necessarily mean my heavenly father, although I can't wait. I mean my earthly father. We've got a lot of catching up to do. I've got some grandchildren he needs to meet. I've got a life that I want to share with him. I want want to share with him what God has done. I can't wait to see him again. And this brings great joy. Those that died are going to be reunited with all those that are believers in Christ. Christ is coming for us. Well, as I was writing those words in my notes, as I was studying for this message, Christ is coming for us. Well, it brought great hope. How many of you, how many of you look on the news and you're thinking to yourself, this, it's going to end any day now. I was watching the news. How many, how many of you followed the balloon? Was that not something? I'd read an article. I read one article that scared me to death. It said, you know why they're not shooting it down? Because there's an atomic bomb attached to that balloon. And that's what they want us to do. Right in the middle of our country, shoot that balloon down and blow our country up. And I thought to myself, don't shoot the balloon down. And then it was something else and it was something else. And I'm thinking all this worry and all this panic and all this over a balloon. I'm so glad my faith is in Jesus Christ. We watch the stock market up and down. We watch, we watch the, the thoughts of how many of you see this? We, we're, we, we need to change all of this. We need to get away from oil and we need to go to, to uh, um, uh, all, all electric. And then I was in Dallas for two and a half days. The windmills on the news, they said the windmills are frozen. There was an inch of ice over all the solar panels. I thought to myself, I went from that to a balloon going over the United States. I thought, this, this week it's over. 
I'm never getting home. Boy, you could just see all these things that are happening. When you listen to what man says, you just are confused and you've got fear and you've got trepidation and you don't even know what, you don't even know what to believe. Christ is coming for us. He's got it all under control. Listen to me, if Christ can go to the cross and pay my sin debt and place in the grave and God through the Holy Spirit raise him up from the dead, then you know what I can believe? That Jesus Christ is coming for us. He has conquered death. He has conquered the grave. And in his word, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I am coming again. And that ought to bring great comfort and great joy. No matter what feelings say, no matter what uh, someone else says, my hope is in nothing less than Jesus Christ in righteousness. My hope is in him. Death has no sting. Death has no victory over the believer. Second, I want you to write this down. I don't know. I say secondly, I don't know what number I'm on. It might be, it might be five. I don't know. You know what number I'm on. Verse number five, uh, chapter five, verse number one, but of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you for yourselves. Know perfectly that day of the Lord. So cometh as a thief in the night for when they shall say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness. What's he saying? You don't have to live that way. They're, they're, they're saying peace and safety and destruction. You know what he's saying? They don't have a clue. You and I don't live this way. You and I are not walking around this earth clueless. You and I are not walking around this earth worrying in what's going to happen. Our faith is in Christ. He's coming again. This, this is the hope. This is what the rapture does for us. It gives a reason for us to be ready. It gives us a reason of something to look for. It gives us a reason to live. There are some that may think this. I, I, I don't know why God still has me here. He has you here because he wants to use you to bring glory and honor to him. He has you here upon this earth so that you can proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and let the world know that he is coming again. That you would miss the, the, this great wrath that's going to come. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this great wrath is in store for you. But by knowing Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be delivered from the wrath that this earth is going to endure. And that is our mission. This, this rapture of the church, it gives us a reason to be ready. Why? Because we're children of light. We're not consumed with the things of this world. We're not living for the things of this world. Listen to me today. Our heart is not to be attached to the things of this world. You know why? Because it's all going to end. The things that you are living for, the things that you have to have, the things that if you lose, that, that you think your life is going to be devastated. I've got news for you. One day you're going to lose it all. But what you will not lose is your Savior, Jesus Christ. What you have for all of eternity is the promise that Jesus Christ is coming again. This gives us a reason to be ready. 
What is your heart attached to today? What if, if it was taking for, taken from you, would you say, my life is over, my world is over? What would you say, I just can't live without? Your, your heart is attached to the wrong things. Verse number six, the Bible says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Live your life like the Lord is coming. You know what we need to be ready for? Jesus Christ to come. Every minute, every day. Could you imagine if we truly lived our life like Jesus Christ was coming at any moment? The petty things that we get discouraged over, the petty things that we fight over, the things that interfere in our marriages, the things that we get frustrated over, they would not frustrate us because we'd see them in light of Jesus Christ. We were traveling this week and my um, three of my girls, our youngest girls were with us. And uh, one of them said this, man, people, is anybody from Texas in here today? One person, what part of Texas? Yeah, Abilene, they're really, really nice in Abilene, but in Dallas, <laughs> my daughter said, man, they are just mean. They're not nice. This, is that true? Dallas people are not nice. Yeah, he see, I've got someone from Texas agreeing with me. I mean, we got yelled at for everywhere we went. We just weren't, we got on the bus to get the rental car and we didn't get on the bus far enough. This guy came over and just yelled. And I just kind of laughed. They drive without the ice. The speed limit is 75 and they were driving 95. And then when the rain came and the ice came, they're driving 25. My, my kids were like, this is a crazy place. I said, this is Texas. This is where all we're going to eventually, we're all going to live there. <laughs> we're all moving there eventually. But, but there were so many things that you could get upset about. And then we get back and we're trying to get out of the, the lot where our car was parked at the airport and the computer system was down. And I'm telling you, we waited an hour in line trying to get out of the parking lot. And there were people mad. This one guy got out of his car and went up to the gate and opened the gate by hand and started waving all the traffic through. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was insanity. And we're just sitting in the car and we're laughing. We're laughing at people and we're, we're just... I said to my kids, I said, what are you going to do? I couldn't imagine Jesus Christ coming while I'm getting upset because I'm sitting in a line. I couldn't imagine losing my testimony because we're on a, a bus and somebody made me get in farther and stand like this. It was funny. I look up, there's a sign, social distancing. The guy's yelling, get on the bus, packing like sardines. I'm thinking, you're not even looking at the sign. <laughs> your own sign. See, all of these things in life, you can get upset about. Somebody wrongs you, hold a grudge. 
somebody does something to you, get, seek vengeance. Somebody wrong you, don't talk to them for 20 years. I mean, think, think about the things that we do and allow it to frustrate us and allow us to, to just get sidetracked with nonsense things. What does the return of Christ remind us to be ready? I remember two weddings, mine and my son's. I've been to others, but those two really stick out in my mind. And I remember being ready to see my bride. And when, when, when I hadn't seen Michelle all morning and I remember, I remember when I was standing there, if they would have said, I was waiting for her to come down that aisle. If they would have said she never showed up, I'd have been a little nervous. Yeah. She's yelling at the caterer. They didn't have the, the beans on the plate waiting for you guys. No, you know what I was hoping she was doing? getting the dress on. I, I was hoping like, just like we planned when those back doors opened, she'd be standing there. If it would have just been her dad standing there by himself, what a horrible day that would have been. But I look back and it wasn't him. I saw it was the girl on his arm that I noticed. And it, 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 it made such an impression on me that when I was standing there next to my son, I said to him, I said, you want to, you, 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 you are going to feel the most unbelievable emotion in about 30 seconds, son. I mean, the most wonderful wave of emotion is going to sweep over you. I said, those back doors are going to open in about 30 seconds and you are going to see your bride and it is going to be Unbelievable. In the camera, the person taking pictures, they know that about weddings and they captured the look on his face when he was like, <laughs> it was, it was the silliest look like you and all, you and I all have, because the one that you love, the one that you've prepared for is getting ready to walk down that aisle and meet you. What a wonderful day that is. And if they were busy with something else or delayed by something less important, could you imagine how that would feel? You see, the rapture of the church reminds us that Jesus Christ is coming and our focus needs to be upon him, not the things of this world. Don't let things frustrate you. Don't let things sidetrack you. Don't let things deter you from serving the Lord. He is the most important thing in our lives. Be ready when he comes. So when that trump sounds and that shout from heaven is made, when we are there in his presence, we were waiting and ready, not caught doing something we never should have been doing. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.